0: Welcome to back to the show i'm your host soli and once again i got a great topic suggested by tonight's guest which is brian bootleg of the sociologist dojo welcome sir
1: thank you thank you very much um i'm excited to talk about this trilogy
0: yeah and this was a great change in pace you know because usually we do just we've done all kinds of things gangster sagas addicting tv shows uh cult horror movies and the typical sci-fi and action blockbusters that they made like a dozen of and here that we didn't have so much of that to this time it was a matter of hey you know here's something that was kind of a romantic dramedy that just had like worldwide acclaim and i learned a little bit about everything just prepping for this and it was a good excuse to finally watch the final entry i had seen the first two a while back and then finally catch up and watch this one
1: yeah the um the final entry is really sobering and i don't think a lot of people are ready for were ready for it that were fans of the first two um because it gets so real i could have Um,
0: seen it totally flopping back in the day because it wasn't happy and...
1: (laughs) and and it really depends kind of like the first film um it kind of depends on where you're at in your life and (laughs) um specifically how you feel about romance a
0: thousand percent uh how are you in uh personally and how do you view this genre and uh so did you see any of these in order because i was always i was it was brought to my attention because uh okay so before sunrise aired in 95, set up the whole premise before Sunset was the sequel that got the same amount of acclaim, and then Before Midnight came out many years later in 2013, and they were produced by Castle Rock Pictures for Warner Brothers and Sony Pictures indie studio outlets. I had no idea, I mean, i had seen Waking Life a while back, but I had no idea that the characters appeared in there in animated form, and it makes sense it's a richard linkletter joint but i also didn't know that this was in the criterion collection
1: so pretty cool well that that's where that's where i fell in love with it i first became aware of before sunrise uh, mm-hmm in the 90s because my older sister was really sort of was into like ethan hawk and so she watched it a couple of times and you People know I, he,
0: before he kind of became kind of the action guy or starring in some of these slashers you know he was mainly just you know from a kid actor from dead Poets society and explorers
1: <laughs> you yep. know and um and so like i <laughs> clocked that as being like okay that's interesting but then I, I didn't really come back to it until I saw that it was going to have a Criterion edition coming out. And I I'm in love with the Criterion collection just Ooh. as oh, a yeah. cinephile and as a film fan. And then I bought the Criterion edition uh, and then I just I watched them all the way through. Uh, and this was about maybe, you know, five years, three, five years ago. and. It just swept me off my feet. I was like, "Oh, this is in- like this is interesting," and it could have been I was sort of pushed by over the last ten years being overly saturated with all of the sci-fi and the superhero mm-hmm. and the beam of Too light much. that you got to fight. <laughs> you know, yeah. all all of that sort of stuff. And here is a, a trilogy of films, a trilogy that is not only. Uh, satisfying when uh, each individual film the independent
0: is, ranked it as uh, one of its 10 greatest trilogies of all time last year
1: because it, it 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 lands the end like like it sticks the landing of the of the third film um mm-hmm. in that the quality doesn't change of each film that everybody is still on the same page from one film to the next the consistency, the the shot composition, everything is, echoes each other. And how many trilogies can you actually say that actually do that?
0: I'm uh, not very. And it's just so hard to convince people that, yes, you can make a movie that doesn't rely on explosions, or shock value, or a plot twist that everyone talks about. And then the more you talk about it, you realize it doesn't actually work. and. I just am getting so annoyed of how everyone seems to nowadays just feel like it must be an indie outlet from a24. It must be a uh, Christopher Nolan or M night Shyamalan kind of just gotcha. And it's just like, no, I don't need this at all. And well, this is, yeah, I mean,
1: I mean, look compared at,
0: to Eric Romer, one of the French new wave guys. And yeah, I, I mean, totally understand.
1: I mean, look at like uh top gun Maverick, like everybody's going to see that film yeah. and it's, and it's just, everyone's like, this is so amazing. You need to see it in the theater. And my brain goes to, oh, there a film like Before Sunrise or Before Sunset or Before Midnight It's going to have so much more difficult of a chance to actually be in the theater now.
0: Oh, yeah. It, and it, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be necessarily, I mean, I, I loved how they noted how they couldn't get a cinema score rating i'm like i'm not surprised i doubt it played it i'm pretty sure it played in like only the art house theaters in every city you know
1: yeah yeah Uh, i mean absolutely and like there were some like at the time if you look at like the the 90s for uh before sunrise there were some heavy hitters all around it Um, so
0: many yeah
1: um yeah like the year before it was three colors white reality bites four weddings and a funeral the crow with honors and then the year before sunrise came out it was like uh circle of friends muriel's wedding rob roy while you were sleeping you know empire records you know about
0: as close i guess you could say as you got maybe with mainstream indie and it's technically not indie because it's a big budget movie was just seeing the likes of uh what's his name who's married to Jamie lee curtis uh oh uh, oh
1: yeah um you're talking about the um christopher guest
0: yeah christopher guest was doing all kinds of mockumentaries rob reiner was doing just very witty character studies and uh you know even cameron Crowe was kind of the go-to for being romantic in historical movies and uh you know so many others were doing all other kinds of uh, Crowd pleasers that you could at least, you know, the studios could sneak in an award nom for best actor and it could make decent money just off the amusing trailer alone and <laughs> cable TV right. airings. And it just seems like, you know, this was just a good gamble by Link Letter. He's re- clearly, you know, and, and the fact that he invested, you know, the actors in the screenplay and had moments of their lives that just makes it all the more authentic. You feel pretty much like many of these indie films, like there, there's some great ones near mid nineties to early two thousands that I admire. that are very similar to this. Uh, there's our song, which has a young Carrie Washington as a music student. There's girl fight, which we just mm-hmm. talked about the films of current Kusama on here. And then there's even, you know, Wayne Wang's uh, smoke and a bunch of other films he's done. It has pretty much all of those kinds of elements of just uh, only using montages to show like, Passage of time and complement the movie, as opposed to, like you say, relying on effects or fancy edits that don't actually, you know, contribute anything to the story. They're just a CSI type effect,
1: you know? And yeah. and And, and like the the long takes in so many long takes single film like you
0: forget half the time you're just so just dialed into what they're saying you want to know more about them it's empowering to say the least because not everyone can do that not every actor can do a long take not everyone can have that presence that the camera just loves you know
1: Oh, absolutely! Like in, I think, I think they increase every single film. I think there's an 11 minute take in before mm-hmm. sunrise, a 12 minute take in before sunset. Even the boat trip minute...
0: alone, and they're with other people, you know. And it's just like they slowly start incorporating. Like by the time you get to the third one, they're actually in public more often. It used to be yeah. they're just like in a corner or on a street
1: walking, and and I I remember Linklider saying in an interview that like you needed to see these two people with other people yeah. otherwise it would just be like this weird fantasy between <laughs> people. and it is part of the third film's really um interesting pivot into a lot of relationship reality that makes some people uncomfortable <laughs>
0: uh, there's that and I mean, it had to be indie, because if this had been a major studio production, you would have had to, yes, you would have had to change it up, make it a little more funny, add in some element that's known to be successful, but isn't necessarily realistic, because you know how producers get, you know, we were just talking politics before, but yeah, producers are even worse at, I just feel I'm going to lose money, it's just not going to land. It's like, no, audiences really do want something that's not predictable. (laughs) It's just, it's hard to do. It's hard to be motivated, especially if you keep seeing crappy results and have to pay your investors back.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's the problem with Hollywood being reactionary. That's why you get the same thing Actionary. happening over and over again, is that oh, this worked? This is great. This this worked. Oh, all right. Well, I'm gonna do that 10 more times. Mm-hmm. And then and then let's rake in the money. And so, <laughs> like uh for instance, uh, if we're talking about before midnight. If this was a studio picture, you knew that both the um the ex-wife would have been a character and they would have had a couple scenes together.
0: They would have hired a big award winner who can give a speech that will win her another award. Yeah, yeah, it would have been yeah. very baity as and opposed th- to wow, I don't know who that person is, but they're really good actors. I really felt like I saw an actual argument, you know, or a love triangle yeah. instead of. Oh, you know, commonplace by trope designs. There must be an argument in the third act,
1: you know. Right, and and the the brilliance about about that about midnight is that you see the seeds of it in that car ride in the beginning oh, of the film.
0: That's a great shot, isn't it? Yeah, you forget that there's even you know someone driving them or anything. You're just more like, okay, they're they're coming out of their shell. They're doing something that they're not sure they want to do, and they're going to commit to it.
1: And the way in which they the dialogue is as people talk which is talk over each other right and the way that they actually are able to do that was so much rehearsal rehearsal i think that a lot of people thought that a lot of these films these three films particularly were all improv when it was so it's easy to think
0: was, that they just weren't used to the style if anything they might have changed the line
1: you know right and and it is that that sort of like that conversational style that needs to be so rehearsed in order to get it exactly right. Half the time, the rehearsals will even make it in there. And that's why they feel so
0: natural. But yeah, it, it, it's tough to explain to people unless they know fr- have friends who are into acting or they've done it themselves. And it's like you say, it's just kind of amusing, too, in that you never really know if you know audiences are being taken out of it because it's not formulaic or if they just it's just they don't watch too many indie movies even though there was plenty of them in the 60s to the 80s and but yeah I by mean, the 90s it was a different type of indie already you
1: know <laughs> it, it is really interesting to think about modern audiences and and yes midnight came out what 9 years ago so it's not that <laughs> long but um if modern audiences would get bored with the pacing of <laughs> these particular films.
0: Yeah. I I mean, if studios were to start making this become in place, make that be like this, I'm, I'm not worried about it because generally indie wins out. I mean, just like George Romero was always independent and just like all the guys who were doing knockoffs of Tarantino were already kind of wanting to make those kinds of weird movies and just got weirder and we're going to be compared to him nonetheless I mean it was it's inevitable you can have all your Jim Jarmusch's and eat your cake too and then eventually now in today's climate uh, I've seen some filmmakers joke that indie does really doesn't exist anymore because the minute you make it big like at Sundance or whatever you're now mainstream independent you're gonna be asked to do again a Blumhouse terror flick next Halloween or you know, like you saw with Ryan Cogler. Now he has the helm Black Panther and his style is totally different from what we saw in even uh, mainstream blockbusters like Creed or his first feature Fruitvale Station. So uh, well, Jeff Nichols. Uh, well, of
1: course, I mean, it's, it's this idea of like you are, I think someone said um working for big budget production companies like Disney, Marvel, Warner Brothers. <laughs> a lot of the time, uh, you're jumping onto a train, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and you're not really doing a lot. It, it's already, no. it's already going a particular direction. So <laughs> it's just, y- you can make small tweaks here and there, but you can't change anything.
0: Indeed. And, and if you tweak it, then it's basically just not even indie. It's just a mainstream movie that looks like an indie feature. And um, I mean, you look at kimberly pierce with uh boys don't cry and mm-hmm. um uh jeff nichols with uh mud and again how their features after that so so different and you can't blame them because i've said it before i got to pay the bills and career didn't take off as big as it was when i first you know took over that festival and it's a shame that yes some of them have even some of the best ones are now having to even just even the ones we grew up liking who are pretty mainstream now have to direct TV. Um, Linklider's just been fortunate enough. He's he's stuck to the comedy genre, I think, and I think that's why he's been a little more successful. It's just easier to catch a niche that way at, with an audience that yeah. loves those kinds and of movies.
1: It's really interesting when it comes to Linklider. I'm not necessarily the biggest Linklider yeah, fan. he varies. Uh, but like the before trilogy for some reason clicks in a way that boyhood didn't click for me, <laughs> you know,
0: um, in all fairness, this isn't free hours. so Right.
1: Right. Right.
0: I do see I mean, people trying to make the excuse what does or doesn't work. And I'm like, it's either interesting or it doesn't. Cause there's plenty of movies in my opinion that are free hours long. And I don't notice th- that they went that long like I saw Lincoln in the theater I know some were bored by it I wasn't bored by it I like LA Confidential and that one whoosh, is pretty yep. taut and one
1: uh, of my favorite films is yeah. Seven Samurai so Seven
0: Samurai uh of just about every Kurosawa film uh, I saw I had the honor of re-seeing Ran, Ran, Ran in a college studies theater and I was like I already was a fan of it for years but seeing it you know in a screen like that was worth doing that even though it was for class you know just There's some stuff that you just you gotta just go for the ride.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and other ones, unfortunately, Boyhood was one one of those for me, which is just like a slog. (laughs) It's just like, all right, what year are we in now? Like, uh, okay.
0: (laughs) And I think some of it is just we're getting old. And I I'm not saying that it's a good or bad thing. It's just what it is. What it is. I liked a lot of Scorsese's earlier three-hour epics, like Goodfellas and Last Temptation of Christ and. Uh, i did not like the irishman at all i thought it was a dull sit that brought nothing new to the genre but to each their own and i i understand that this is kind of just where we just got to get better at using our words i know you can you can use your words but some people can't and you just got to say okay well let's come back when we're ready to have a conversation and this doesn't have to be an argument guys (laughs) it is what it is
1: I mean, yeah, we're we're talking about, you know, perspective and preference, really.
0: Half the and, time it's just it's may not land. You don't yeah. know why. It's just it didn't.
1: And and unfortunately when we start talking about, you know, non-independent films like the Before trilogy with <laughs> like uh Marvel and anytime that we have the marriage of certain fandoms and and Mm -hmm. and, you know genres sycophants for lack of a better word um, where they literally um have we call this in sociology uh, a reference group where (laughs) these um specific characters are a part of their reference group and a part of their identity and any kind of criticism of those characters or they're not portrayed in the way that they thought they would, um, is then taken as a personal attack on that person.
0: Yeah, people don't even know what overrated means anymore. Half the time they're like, okay, so you're talking smack. I'm like, I didn't say it was bad. I just didn't think it was award winning. Overrated right. means doesn't live up to the hype. But yes, because it's still overall is used as a negative connotation most of the time it generally is often thought of, oh, so you thought it sucked. Like, not saying that never said that
1: yeah and and it's, it's a one-time really watch much... it's
0: not top 250 <laughs> right.
1: and um the what i love about the before trilogy is not only because not only is it quiet not only is there not a million edits uh yeah but, every but the single camera minute. just <laughs> sort of sits there you know it's uh it is. The small scale story of two people having a moment
0: and and it's all touching, it's all relevant. You know it's going somewhere. It's not like any other indie person where you're like, I guess this is going somewhere. I'm really distracted by their addiction or just not knowing what's going on. I gotta be patient.
1: <laughs> well, well, that and it like everyone it it it's a it connects to everyone because I think that everybody has in their life one or a couple of people Definitely that few. have been in their life only for a moment but then change their entire perspective on the on the mm-hmm. rest of the world that's and love in
0: general it's like yeah you know you've opened my words my world now I gotta follow you around because I know I trust you
1: and even if Jesse and Celine, uh, there was no other two or three films. The one reason why that first film connected, I think, because we all know of what could have been with any number (laughs) of people, right? If I would have just said this to this person, or if I would have you know, decided to go to that concert, or if I would have decided to, you know, go into that, that, um, you know, music store at that time or something like that. Um, We all have those stories. And so we (laughs) put ourselves in Jesse and Celine's position.
0: 1000% I wish I could speak that beautifully. It is definitely that at that point. It's like, yeah, I mean, anyone else would want this to be wrapped up in a few minutes and i'm just like yeah no it it, it just it's just not how it's going to be <laughs> it's just uh, uh anyone else if you knew personally maybe even you if you were in this relationship this would probably end within a few minutes and you'd be uh you know going to work talking smack about them to your coworker. and the movie does kind of establish how they're just uncanny people they you know some of that is just the actors some of that's just how it's staged and it's like yeah I, I i'm expecting any kind of thing to happen at this point
1: <laughs> yeah and like the the way in which well a um i love how each film rhymes so oh, yeah stuff that stuff that is said in part one I'll, I'll call them part one part two and part three yeah just have- so
0: we don't confuse anyone that's a good idea <laughs>
1: right so in part one um they talk about the time traveler and that's the thing that gets celine (laughs) to get off the train to go with jesse and the time traveler comes back again in part three Mm -hmm. as a olive branch to try to mend the you know smooth things over that's a good
0: find i didn't think of that i was thinking mainly on the locations they've been to that they say hey i want to hang out in a hotel and saying you know they're in a hotel i think by part two
1: uh part Definitely, three part three part free, like, yes
0: yeah. part three does that and it's just interesting how uh they do a good use of just over the shoulder shots and just enclosed private conversation and they do the voyeurism in a way where it doesn't feel sleazy or even necessarily like you shouldn't be listening to it. It's just the, it's kind of the wall's point of view for lack of better words, not so much a ceiling or a shoulder point of view. It's mainly just like, yeah, here they are. They're having conversation. You shouldn't be paying attention to this, but you are because we're the filmmaker and we say so. And like you say, they don't, they don't even mount the camera around too much to where, you know, dollies can sometimes take you out of it or other stuff like that and if it's handheld it's really well done really shoulder mounted pretty
1: well yeah and and there's no tricks either no. right like you're talking about there's like very I, raw lighting very i don't even think there's like there might be a crane shot somewhere if it was it was just
0: that was what they spell, spent visual effects on digitally erased that crane that got in the way by accident because we're not going to retake that excellent conversation that lasts 10 minutes (laughs) i mean you're not looking at your watch either you're never like okay this is great so i think it is a rare kind of magnetism that glues you to the screen because there's so many other movies that are dialogue based and some of them backfire because they're based on plays that just aren't necessarily ready for the cinema or they're reliant on the actor to carry it and that can vary too especially if you don't care for that actor (laughs) right or don't think it's strong enough to just you know last 90 minutes so there's some movies that can do that and others that can't get away with it and this one it didn't need to really pay any bag of tricks because everyone's interested in this there there's I would be damned if I heard years later, it's like, ah, oh, I don't like that chapter of my life. Like, these actors could have even been romantically attached in real life, and they would have said, oh, that was a rough chapter, but I don't think they would have doubt, regretted this experience. This is a special kind of film series that shows, you know, just make intriguing conversation. And like you say, they did talk about stuff that, no one ever wants to think about in a breakup but they kind of establish no they don't kind of they really do establish is like you know when they they were very young you know 20 somethings when they first met and then now they're both got to be in their 50s by now right (laughs) and
1: now they're in their 50s uh when when they did midnight they were like 41 or 40 mm -hmm. 42 somewhere around there
0: no one could believe it
1: (laughs) and what what I what I love when you look at all three of these films uh in any order, what you realize is that Jesse is a romantic playing a cynic yes and so and Celine is a cynic playing <laughs> a romantic
0: yeah and by movie two they're having kind of opposite viewpoints and then by movie three they are totally opposite of where they were first movie and so yeah, I, I agree is like these movies would definitely totally benefit from multiple rewatches if you got the time. And
1: and the one the the middle chapter is only 80 minutes. It's <laughs> it's a there is no fat on that film. No. It, it is lit, it is streamlined to a point and it was all shot at the same hours of the day for 2 weeks so literally it is it is all it is no artificial lighting it is all natural lighting of like late afternoon well it's mid-afternoon to late afternoon (laughs) or like two weeks it's it's brilliant the the second film is um is perfection
0: i i believe so because like i said movie one you wouldn't have known about had you not seen movie two Movie one, I think that's just it. Like all these movies, they could only have been made in the era they were made in. Because movie one is a total, total nineties movie. Just yep. credits are slower, the it's more upbeat, there's a lot more uh music montages with no dialogue being sent and them holding hands. And yeah, movie two, it's like any other sequel that was made in the two thousands, except it's indie skill and right but i do i do concur it does try to be its own special kind of movie instead of try to just ape the first movie like so many sequels do
1: the the interesting thing about from from one to two one um there's so many other films like movie one before sunrise mm-hmm. because it's it's just one guy backpacking through europe or going through <laughs> like t- traveling getting on like Gets romantic, romantic adventures and these sorts of things
0: any other right. movie it would have been a private school boy exploring his sexuality you know or some shit like that <laughs> it would have been right something like and that then, instead it's two you know young adults who are slowly figuring out what they want to do
1: with their life and when you get to the the sequel it's like you had this experience that was such an imprint on your personality <laughs> where where are you now
0: and there's there a shot
1: there's a shot in sunset where he is talking about her at the beginning of the film he's talking about her to the press and there is a shot of from before sunrise the first movie of Celine, and then it immediately cuts to Julie Delpy in Before Sunset. It's, <laughs> it's one right after the other, and it is it is like it is fantasy into reality in that moment. And it is it's that's brilliant. a good
0: that's a good note because it it is one of those you know there's so much to analyze in this movie, and it's not to be cute. You know, nowadays when people do that, they make more effort if it's just an Easter egg. You know. And it is a cool shot because, like you say, it's it's just very. It's a love letter to how far this whole thing has come. Instead of just you know we did it because we could,
1: <laughs> and it was if if I remember from looking at like interviews that it was, they wrote themselves into a corner in part two that mm, they I ultimately bet. had to do part three. You know? <laughs> uh, or at least that's how they felt. Because,
0: yeah, it's a lot to take in, and like to say, you know, there's so many ways it could have gone wrong, and it does just a good job of never having to explore anything else or worry about everything all adding up. Like, because it does add up like what's working is it's on the relationship any other filmmaker would just worry okay are my leads going to behave it's like no that's that's not what this is about (laughs) this is about just so much this is about again these two individuals who weren't the same by the time they got to the end of their life and yeah movie four would probably wreck it it just would probably it wouldn't wreck what came before, but it would just be just very unnecessary because. Yeah.
1: And I, and I think we've moved past, like each of them was separated by nine years. So it would have had to have come out like by the end of this year. Um, right. If, if there was, and it's not in production <laughs> as far as I know, unless they're doing it in secret.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, well, whatever they're thinking, I wish them the best. Cause. I mean, you also just want a natural sequel, and I think that's just it. These are all so, so natural. They loved what they got, so they recreated it. And yep. instead of just, well, we got a claim and we made money on it, so let's do it. And it's like, no, don't do not do it just to do it. Do it because you legit want to make something of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the what I love is the way in which these particular films... Uh, play on our cultural and social norms that's that practically
0: we've... what they're doing at the time they're like Whoa, is this weird? we make love you know it's like so much of that snarkiness that is like I think that's why it just it, it found its place or it was like ah. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> it, well it, it's that it's that sort of idea that like you know what kind of person you are depending upon how you react to Jesse and Celine bingo you know uh it's it's sort of like do they and they even talk about this in the beginning of before sunset where he has the three or four um uh, journalists and he says well it's all about how you deal with romance and he points to one journalist and he says you don't believe they got together he points to another one you absolutely believe that they <laughs> got together and the person in the middle was like and you know you're not sure but you hope so
0: and it has the good layers of a good joke like They he's just one by one by one and boom you know and <laughs> there you go and like you say, it, it it does leave a lot to just kind of be able to do that. Cause not everyone can do that. There would have been other people who it's like, okay, that's well acted, but that scene went on too long. And it's very well timed. You can tell that, like you say, they prepped as good as they could.
1: And I think you need to you need to have an audience that's patient. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's what this these three films require. They require of, you know individuals to be patient with the storytelling as it's going to unfold
0: i wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the deal where they tried to make sure uh you know had a sense of awareness like because everyone's got an ego but i had a sense that they had a good idea of you know i feel like we're just going on a little too long i'm kind of losing a sense of what the scene hopes to end and I think they're just again they're actors first and any every good actor always wants to know where a scene is going and if it's you know where where am i in the scene and some people don't care they'll just say the lines on time because that they already aced the acting but there's others who generally is like where where am i okay i feel like i'm losing you and everyone else is lost
1: Absolutely, and and that's where it helps that the the principal actors are also the writers, mm-hmm. for for the majority. They didn't get a credit on the first film, even though they rewrote the script. Um, Did they get a they, producing credit at least? Uh, they didn't until two and three. In two and three, they were uh. both producers and writers and. I believe they got nominated for a Writer's Guild Award and an Oscar, I think for part two. Uh so. hmm.
0: okay. That's that's solid enough. Yeah. <laughs> I just hate yeah. it when like to say uh, they're not given due credit. And half the time it's just like maybe one or two edits, it's nothing, but there are other times where it's like, yeah, no, he he dedicated a bunch.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, as I was as I was watching these films, like it's really interesting to look at this from like a gender perspective. If you, oh, good point. Um, because there's no way, if uh, that if Celine, if Jesse was was uh, presented as female, would she even offer to to have someone get off the train with her? Right, mm-hmm. um, like like that wouldn't even be that wouldn't even be an, a thing. Um,
0: no, so true. Because there's there's so many other people who would take this wrong, and it's very clear all parties agree with degrees of this. Because uh, yeah, they're mentioning so many key points that anyone else would be like, I oh oh, oh you pushed my buttons. in. <laughs> like you say, it's very careful. It's very meticulous. It's very much about it's like. We're having a conversation, and because it's just so natural, it's just so evolving, they're never doing the same thing, even in uh, every scene to where you you're you're open, and by the time when they're all just flat out disagreeing, saying, "How the fuck did we fall in love with each other is it's just so genuine. it just you're just like, yeah, I." that's how it's all been just the love ran out it just it took 10 years but fuck here we are
1: <laughs> i mean my favorite the, the, the one thing that was the most real in the third film when when you're talking about um midnight is that they're in the middle of this fight and Celine walks away she goes out out of the out of the um the hotel room and in the the most real moment of the entire of the entire film she comes back in she slams uh, uh, her 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 purse on like um, uh, on the table and says, "So great." And she's and she's like, "You think you're winning?" Like that that phrase is just like, "Yes, everybody has been in you know partnerships where you are still together and you're having this cheeky moment, and, and that just diffuses everything." It's like, "No, we're still fighting."
0: You're right it's not it's not going anywhere else yeah oh man oh man and and like you say this isn't easy to talk about anyone else would have been like oh no 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 this is not a formula this sounds terrible it's depressing well,
1: a and, lot of man. people who left the film um uh with the third film they didn't feel good a lot of couples that went into the film expecting that comedy that repartee that they
0: must not have been paying attention they must have just liked hey that was pleasant (laughs) well
1: yeah it was it was that was what they were expecting and then they came out of the theater and they were like oh that was a little too real (laughs) (laughs) you know um like so many couples have had to have after that film said to each other we've had that fight that (laughs) fight has been had on in so many different you know uh, bedrooms.
0: <laughs> I mean, um, I couldn't imagine what else could happen. I mean, because, I mean, it's also just a little more, it's tricky and you kind of admire them for doing something that tricky because there's so many others who just would want to just kind of get too cute for their own good. Okay, okay, they'll have five more arguments and then finally they'll kiss and make up. <laughs> it's like, no, it's... Right. That's not where well, it's going, Hutch.
1: It is. It is the um. The very realness of Celine remaining topless while they're fighting. At first, and, you think they're going to engage in dirty talk. It's like, no,
0: they're they're going beyond this, even.
1: <laughs> right, and it's it's this thing of like. We usually in film we only see uh, women naked in a very sexual way. That it's only for it's
0: once uh, again a, a raw
1: scene or sexual pleasure or these sorts of things, and it's very real to be like, oh no, no, no! You said something that pissed me off, and we are going to stand. I don't care how I look. We're going to stand here, and we're going to have it out because. We are no longer in a sexual situation. No, and no. you can, you can <laughs> literally see that in the way that it's shot and the way that they're positioned. And that even though she is topless, it is not sexy at no. all. It was sexy five minutes ago. It is right. not sexy, <laughs> it is not sexy now.
0: Oh totally. And a good way they did a good job of diffusing that because there's so many others who probably wouldn't be up to that level, wouldn't be able to come confront that and yeah. again just rare kind of
1: filmmaking cause... yeah I mean it's 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 amazing how in in the lead up to that fight in midnight um they both try not to fight, which is such it. what couples do is like you try not to fight and then someone says something. <laughs> Or, or someone does something that they're... or
0: they try too hard and it just doesn't yep. sound sincere, even though it is sincere. And there, there's several moments where it's like, I'm on their side and then I'm on the other side. And then it's like, Whoa, 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 tell me more. I don't know about this problem that you're having. <laughs> and so yep. we, the viewer, I mean, only like to say the most single-minded person. And then to even expect what you're expecting, still be taken aback. They're just underplaying the effectiveness of film. There are some movies that can do this, because there's other movies which try too hard to be manipulative or try their damnedest to just kind of just have an argument. But overall, you really don't know what the closing statement really sufficed. And uh, they don't even really get on a speech so much. They're all very... You just feel like there's even barriers up against every single dialogue piece. It's like, okay, now I'm on Highway 20. Now I'm on Highway 65. And now I'm at the end of the line, and I want to turn right back to where I came from. And, oh, no, no, we can make this work. Let's go back up to Highway 50. Okay, screw it. We're just going to have to go back all the way home.
1: Angry. I, I think the issue of, like, people who have seen a lot of movies like you and I have, I'm sure we know when we are when a film is being emotionally manipulative
0: the music plays too early The flags start waving there's something else that just feels off and yeah it's
1: like it's, oh do you want me to cry now now is when you want me to cry okay and, I, and I i feel wor- that
0: <laughs> the worst part is when you watch a comedy in the theaters and you're the only one laughing or everyone else is laughing you're like seriously and that, that's funny and it gets even more annoying when you see beloved filmmakers uh, do mistakes. You know, I, I've seen it, all of them do it. Uh, uh, Brian De Palma gives away the ending in freaking Carlito's way. And you're like, why? For <laughs> this otherwise good movie, you did the first role in the book. Don't give away too much. I've seen Antoine Fuqua get a little con- too confusing in some of his otherwise well acted action and crime blockbusters. And so, uh, it's just annoying because you kind of almost want to get in the studio and editing room yourself and, and engage for stuff that's otherwise working. And there's other times where it's like, you know, it's just not my fight to have on. This is part of the fun experience, but it, I don't, I can't say I'm frustrated with any of these ones. I can't because like you say, there's some movies I don't, I never, I never was crazy about in Letters catalog and there's others. I will always see, I will always rewatch school of rock I think that's like the best of his mainstream work because yeah. there's so many other movies where, like you say, that's, that's a Sundance favorite, but that's hardly old school indie. Right. <laughs> Just, uh, I feel like Linklater in many ways, you, you can tell me if I'm off on this, I can't find anything. I'm sure if I were to ask him, he might say he's a fan. Do, do you know if he's a fan of John Cassavetes by any chance?
1: i Think so. I don't know what his favorite Cassavetti's film is. It would um, probably
0: have to be one of the lighter ones because I can't imagine it being uh, yeah. a "Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown." Because no, um, I
1: i mean, though there is some shot similarities between the before films and Mikey and Nikki. Mm, oh, right. Yeah. If, if you look at the way in which they're structured, and in the way in which some of the shot <laughs> composition that Elaine May actually did. Um I mean <laughs> uh Elaine May basically stole that film from the from the <laughs> you know from the production company. Uh and like bravo to her. Like my yeah. God. Uh, Someone had like, to do it. But there there is this sort of like you know subtle romance that you could make a comparison between Mikey and Nicky and Celine and Jesse. hmm
0: Yeah I I definitely get a lot of that uh because all characters most movies try to do kind of like a typical tv show sitcom or crime show will do where they're all one side of one real at this point it's not even a coin it's one giant balloon and they're like a quarter inch of each uh one but it's interesting in that uh uh basically kind of like Cassavetes, was filming his actor pals, having conversations and then adding a few scenes to make it all cohesive.
1: Yeah, That's or, like in yeah. Husbands, right?
0: Right. Uh, he and Gene Rollins were married and uh, just artists first before people. And I just feel like yeah, it just these actors legit loved each other and like any good actor you know when your storyline in your mind ends, regardless of what's on screen, where you are in the whole deadline and i'm sure they were just always talking with link letters saying hey you know we had such a fun time what should we do together and i'm sure it was inevitable we gotta make a follow-up continuation of the story and
1: and yeah and sunset is is this sort of rekindling It it is what should like i think ethan Hawke said um uh, the first film is all about uh what could be Second film is all about what should have been. And the third film is all about what is.
0: Mm, Okay. Well, that's a different way to look at it now. And that's even better. But yeah. It's cool, though, to know that, again, you know, just something like this can be so outlined and it can make an impact with audiences instead of just filling two just by the number.
1: Oh, no. Yeah. And I, I really like I would like to think that there's still room for films like this or, or that I be, would
0: hope because I know audiences are getting sick and not all of them on board with everything. But yeah, you would think by now something would.
1: Unless you know. they're they're just go they're going to go. The newer ones are going to go direct to streaming. I would. Mm it's
0: true because they just don't want to take a risk (laughs) and
1: yeah uh, i mean yeah but this i mean these these three films will all always have uh a sort of special place in my heart as one of my top favorite trilogies obviously um no that's
0: a good point because there's so many other movies where I mean, on that same list, I was looking at them. They had Lord of the Rings, they had Dark Knight. I'm like, I'm sorry, only like two thirds of the Dark Knight trilogy. And then they had a few others where I'm like, eh, it's technically, if another sequel to that is made and is actually like, it's going to be a quadrilogy or syncology. Sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the issue is that, like, that's where we get into the issue of like legacy sequels. Of like trying but, to write the wrong of the previous film, you know. Um uh and then actually be its
0: own thing, and then all anyone can think of, well, at least it sucked like the last one, and it's like it gets too distracting because many movies unfortunately are still rushed into production with barely a script. And yeah. half the time I don't know why it's even harder to do, especially if it is action or sci-fi, where most of that is just endless shots. It's nothing to do with the script itself. So I I think a lot of it just gets too compacted by, again, just people overthinking things and no money will be good enough. So eventually just people sign on to stuff they're just not ready to do.
1: You know, and when you compare it to these three films where the the, the first film and the second film each has shots of either where the couple will be or where they have been
0: establishing and then rebuilding rekindling and then going to a whole different location you've never seen before and again it always is out in the cold no music no dialogue and then then they start talking again and
1: and the um I am really in, I was really interested at the end of the first film when they go through all of the shots or all of the places they were throughout the entire film. This time in the in the morning, in the daytime. Mm, uh, there is good note. um there's a shot of the two wine glasses and the empty wine bottle in the park. And <laughs> I'm I'm just fascinated with this. Um this evidence that you were there right evidence that you existed in that moment and the leftover um wine glasses and the wine bottle um (laughs) signify that they were there and that they are gone
0: that's a good point because yeah uh the glass is half full in this point case it's just abandoned
1: (laughs) Do you do you do you think that um, Jesse uh, gave that money to that uh, bar uh, bartender for that bottle of wine? Do you think he actually paid him off, or did he forget about it? That's a good question.
0: I think I don't want to say it's like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction, where it's left to the viewer's imagination. I don't think it's that bad, but I am almost tempted to ask. You know, Ethan Hawke is like, "What happened to the bottle?" I'm sure he's got an answer. I can't imagine he doesn't, but at the same time, it is one of those, like, yeah, I mean, it could go either way, but I do feel like it ultimately doesn't matter. But at the same time, it is a good note on how, again, like, he's so focused on winning her back that he probably wouldn't be in the right mood to, you know, (laughs) tip and be a good customer
1: and yeah that that all that like the the turnaround and the sinking feeling that you get when you realize he did show up six months later uh mm-hmm. at the, in the beginning of sunset
0: yeah and they're so, together and you realize oh they actually haven't been together
1: yeah and that he you know that that he. they look
0: happy but they're not happy no
1: i mean it's it's that they
0: want to be together but they kind of don't at the same time because they've they've had a rough go of it and it's just like you say it's very organized because uh you're you have enough to fill it all in instead of again excess where it's like all right all right right, you're over explaining
1: and and the way in which the film lets you learn about them through their dialogue or through their um conversation is something that um is both a plot point but yet it's part of the ambiance of the film it's part of the the texture of the film.
0: texture is a good way of putting it because there's so many other movies that focus on the look and not the feel and again they leave it to the actor <laughs> uh there are so many just calculations that just make you feel whoa i am in a different place now and we were in the same room a minute ago but it feels like a different room just because the tension's just getting a little off kilter
1: what's wrong guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah especially especially in the third film i mean you can you can feel a difference when and Total it all, difference. like like I said, it, it all rhymes with the first film, because in the first film, Jesse says, well, maybe um, if we spent all of our time together, you'd get sick of me. And then <laughs> in the yes. second film, Celine says, maybe we're only good in short bursts. Yes. You know, years apart.
0: Mm. And Man. It's, it's some big, big stuff. A lot of stuff to just kind of hang on to, too, We're just like anyone else would be like, don't leave me hanging. And it's like, I kind of have to be left hanging because there's just no way they're going to get along at this point. And at the same time, I mean, it's not like it was meant to fail. It totally wasn't meant to fail, but it's just a very natural progression. And taking all that time off, like you say, really was. Complimentary. I can't imagine it going on for so, so long to where, you know, you just, you lose track of everything.
1: Right. And you don't want it to to run into the ground, uh, especially. And, so, so are you of the mind of by the end of midnight that they are, they are broken up? They're not, it's not salvageable. It's tough to say.
0: I, I think, yeah, at this point, He's not as cute with his words as he used to be. And she's very dissatisfied with many things or and the irony is, you know, he's too cynical. And yes, she does sound dissatisfied even when she's actually satisfied. She just that they're not they're not ready to make any kind of change. But I do feel like they're always going to keep running into each other and begging to get back together or think about each other, even though they don't want to be thinking about each other because they love it has a way of just doing mad things. And I love how something like this can do something so drastic without, you know, having to have it be too Shakespearean or just like, of course, you know, by formula's say they were split up, but they're gonna get back just because why not? You know, and, well, and,
1: I, I like that. I like that idea that they're in each other's orbit. They may not necessarily be together, but there is some... They
0: might be talking smack behind their back. God damn you. I love you so much, you know?
1: <laughs> right. And it it is this sort of like the, their attraction and something always brings them together, but they may not always be together, you know? That they're two people that need to have each each other in their lives in some capacity, but it doesn't have to be romantic or it doesn't have to be uh ro- you know romantic long term. It can be platonic, it can be um it, it can be like a fling or you know, you know, these sorts of things. Oh uh, totally. Um, I, I think we all have individuals in our lives that do that, that enter and exit our orbit. I just had a friend
0: who just got his CDL license, his wife works from home and wants him to take days off where they're apart from each other. And yeah. what's funny is he's very sociable, but sometimes it gets to be too much. So I thought that was interesting when I heard that report, there are some people, they, they need me time. And I think, before we had all these mental health podcasts and everything, everyone was just really bad at communicating or understanding needs or identifying. It. They just
1: oh, in the nineteen forties and the nineteen fifties, that's why everybody drank all the time. Drink went to a
0: psych ward. Was dissatisfied, even though they had literally the world. And and other than that, yeah, it's I can't find many even bad reviews about this. I'm sure, if anything, it's people who just don't like anything really meaningful
1: <laughs> yeah you scratch the surface on some reviews and it's like no this hits something in you that you're not willing to deal with at this time this reminds me of my ex. <gasps> right right and i'm gonna take it out on this movie do uh so roger ebert
0: with movie two noted how movie one was a remarkable celebration the fascination of good dialogue The second one was better, perhaps because the characters are older and wiser, perhaps because they have more to lose or win, and because the actors wrote the dialogues themselves. The Los Angeles Times noted that with movie two, there's a deeper, truer work of art than the first, and it keeps faith with American cinema at its finest. And that's interesting, because yeah, movie one, the New York Times and Washington Post just both basically note that the characters are interesting, and it doesn't feel like a gazillion other movies you would have seen at the cinema at that time, and I'm like, that's interesting because, uh, uh, and I, I think that just says a lot about how far we've come in cinema because it used to be movies were kind of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. uh People weren't necessarily always listening to critics unless it had made just so many worst of the year lists, or you came across it on cable and you're like, wow wonder what there was in that to make anyone sign up for this seeping pile of trash you know yeah uh i I think this is going to be interesting seeing how these age because i am seeing yeah everyone do a favorites of which one is their preferred one i i don't have a preferred one really i thought i did and now i really don't because they're all (laughs) one giant oyster now
1: yeah, it is. It is a whole like all three of them have their particular place. But in terms of my individual enjoyment, um, it would be my ranking would be uh, top to bottom uh, two, three, one. You know, uh, okay. I think on my letterboxed, I gave uh, movie two, uh, Sunset, uh, five stars, movie uh, three, Uh, four and a half stars and then movie one four stars like that was my ranking nice all right
0: um and uh uh yeah we'll have to share each other's letterboxes
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely you know um it is uh well, I mean, it's the sociologist dojo on the on the letterbox. You can find that uh, <laughs> real easy. Um, my uh, my top four faves right now on the letterbox uh, list are Seven Samurai, uh, Akira, um, Mandy, and When Harry Met Sally. Mm, all right. Oh, very cool. Yeah so um do you in terms of the these three films aging do you um do you seeing do you think that they will be more favorable in the future or um, i
0: can't it- i can't see them going away just because link's letter is such a big name and people are still gonna i think because it's in the criterion collection that's kind of a go-to everyone wants legit film that's like actually honored that they're getting tired of going to Rotten Tomatoes and seeing such divide where there's a 70% user score and a 30% critic rating. Mm -hmm. And just that 30 to 40% uh, subtraction is just enough to just make people say, you know, I I need someone who I can trust. Kind of like how you're going to go to probably ultimate action movies. If you want to see a good action movie that you haven't heard of, that's got some big and older names, uh, bloody disgusting is, and other screen Rant have kind of been attracting a lot of horror guys. Mm
1: -hmm. And yeah,
0: with these, I mean, I think many sites, I mean, total film, especially a lot rated on them a bunch. And I I can definitely see a lot of them just making so many just. uh, Indie comedy, drama favorites that inevitably are going to just be like they're always going to be ranked in that set series and i seriously have not encountered anyone who just like thought this was mad just like didn't give a shit (laughs) i I mean what leg
1: do they what leg would they have to stand on other than their own wrong opinions
0: (laughs) right uh, I had seen maybe parts of this, I guess, when I was 14. I didn't give it any attention, but I just knew I would probably be discovering it later on when I got to that mature level where I actually wanted to see something more gripping. But, you know, I could even see uh, younger teens getting into this, uh, you know, if their parents want to watch it and then just say, hey, you know, I need to explain anything to you, you know. <laughs> and they're not even that kind of movie where it'd be awkward to even necessarily see With relatives necessarily.
1: And it'd be interesting to do like a longitudinal um analysis of this of like watch these film, watch all three films in your twenties, watch (laughs) all three films in your 30s, and then watch all three (laughs) films in your 40s. Oh so challenges on, guys. Who wants who's up for it? (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely, me. I, I I did that. I watched it in my twenties, in my thirties, in my forties, and I love Midnight more now in my forties than I did when I watched it in in my in my thirties,
0: uh, right? Uh, and there's just things that you pick up that you don't really think you think are over exaggerated until you're of the age.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like you think. Them in On their my, 40s my are being unreasonable until you're in your 40s and be like, no, I've said that exact same thing.
0: <laughs> A thousand percent. I'm in my 30s now, and now I totally value my time compared to the 27 guy who was like, eh, whatever goes, you know. what happens happens and now it's like i can't i can't afford whatever happens
1: happens (laughs) Right, like i can't do to my body what i was doing to my body in my 20s even before covid yeah something (laughs) absolutely
0: oh man well this has been a delight having you on here and we'll definitely get you on some other filmmaker chats
1: um anytime thank you for having me this has been great
0: a thousand percent you Uh, have anything that you want to plug?
1: Sure. Um, I have, um, I, uh, host and I'm, um, the writer of the sociologist dojo, a blog and podcast that, uh, analyzes film and popular culture from the sociological perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm a sociologist. I have a master's degree in sociology. So I try to, uh, blend together, um, two of my passions, you know, the study of society and film and film culture. And so then I I, I jam these two together. Um, my blog is can be found, it's The Sociologist Dojo at www.thesociologistdojo.blogspot.com. And my podcast is on the Libsyn network um, yeah. or uh, section. And you can find that through my Twitter handle at The Sociologist's. Um, and then my my pinned tweet is access to the um, access to the podcast. You're going to need to use the RSS feed, and then you can plug that into your podcast catcher of choice. There you go. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for having me, and I can't wait to do this again.
0: You know it. And we try our best to also just always just tackle someone who is like hey, you know, it's not going to just be ego stroke and we're just going to actually legit dive into uh, make sense of why we have always just uh, found this person just so favorable and and it's just not everyone can do it. There's plenty who can tell you for days I love it. And it's like but why? It just works. And so you want to always yeah, just show an evolution, especially with uh Where uh someone can actually uh, evolve as a person and as an entertainer. And you also want to see if they can actually just be why they make these riveting films, you know, because it's not always personal. Sometimes they do a great movie and it was, you know, for a paycheck
1: because they can do it in their sleep, you know, like Coppola did. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if I'll forgive Coppola because uh, if you go to my there was an episode I did on the Godfather trilogy and like <laughs> like the the reissue of Godfather 3 where he said that he fixed it and he didn't do anything um and he and he, and, he, and he, he did nothing with it. He did the same thing with the outsider or the outsiders. Yeah, and I just felt ripped off. I was like, "You did, you did nothing. You didn't. You changed the title, and you had like a different introduction, and that was that was it for the third Godfather film. Everything about the uh, those performances and stuff were still problematic. You didn't change anything." And yeah,
0: I think you'd like his new Apocalypse version of Apocalypse. Now he took out the stuff that was criticized in the director's cut, and then he added some okay. new scenes and remastered. The whole thing
1: it's never looked better well i i haven't caught that one yet but um yeah i did the
0: cotton co- club as well so now i we we definitely need some coppola revisitation
1: <laughs> yeah i will i will definitely put that on the
0: list oh I, I will see you back here soon, and thank you so much thank you we'll
1: return after these
0: messages and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift.
1: BlindKnowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation.
0: Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers.
1: Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.